0: Hello everyone and welcome to Within Us. This is your place for transformational tools and inspiration that you need most on your purpose-driven journey. My name is Ozzy Jankovic and I believe that staying inspired is a practice. It is truly a joy to be connecting with you in this community as we keep one another inspired. We've been speaking a lot in the show about our purpose-driven businesses As you know, I facilitate coaching and masterminding coaching groups for women, and watching transformations take place is one of my all-time favorite things to do. I feel fortunate that I get to do it quite often now, and one thing that I do as a facilitator is tap into the insight, the natural insight of each one of my students and clients. The word insight has always struck me because I believe that having insight can guide us in making any change or any courageous move that needs to happen for us to realize our potential, reach our goals, and live our dreams. In English, insight is defined as a capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person or thing. And what's fascinating is that in Hebrew, we find a few different meanings for the word insight. There is an insight we talk about called sechvi, we say in the morning, thank you for giving me the insight to differentiate between light and darkness. And that word also is used for a rooster. And interestingly, I did write about this in my book, Beyond All Things, this idea that the rooster crows before the dawn. It actually crows before there's even an inkling of light to be found. And we understand, we learn from modern research, there's been some research done in in Japan, in the last several years, that these roosters are actually guided by an internal clock, this internal insight that they know that the light is coming, even when there's no inkling of light. So they almost have this like internal alarm clock that they've been endowed with. And the metaphor is that as human beings, we also have that internal alarm clock, that light is coming, that even when things seem so dark, we can intuit, we can... Tap into a hope, an insight, and an understanding that something else is coming. There's a bigger picture here. There's also another word for insight called bina. And bina means insight. It also means understanding. If I say I understand something in Hebrew, I say ani me vinah. And that word is connected to bina or understanding, which is also translated as insight. And this word is fascinating because there are a few different Kabbalistic, really deep explanations of what this is, how do we access it, what can it help us with? And I thought it would be really neat to explore this on the show. So interestingly, the Torah teaches that women were the last living being created. So in the, in the creation story, which is symbolizes like a seven-day story, some people think it's literal, some people think it's metaphoric, but whatever it is, the women were created as the final piece as like this closing, final, and as we've come to learn, crown of creation. And it's taught as such that women have an extra measure of bina, of insight. This is something that has always fascinated me. I think it's the ultimate feminist idea. And today we're gonna get into the concept. Our guest is awesome. He is known by many as the millennial rabbi. And I initially found him on Instagram because his posts were featured in one of the popular hashtags around mindfulness. And so I started reading his post and I realized, so cool, he lives in my hometown, in North County, San Diego. He teaches meditation in high schools around the county and he actually teaches in in one of the high schools that I went to and and as soon as I saw that I told him, I said, wow, you know, if I had had a teacher, a spiritual teacher like this in high school, my experience could have been radically different because high school is such a challenging can be such a challenging part of life, and and that's what he's really there for. He's really helping people through the difficult times, and and also just the day to day struggles and difficulties that you know we all have in, in in normative living, and especially in this this period of time that we're all in now. So I came across Millennial Rabbi Daniel Bortz, and I just love his feed. He has really neat posts. His stories are awesome. Uh, He's he's always at the top of my feed because I get so excited to read whatever he posts every day. It's always something inspiring, always something uplifting. And I'm not the only one reading his posts. He has tens of thousands of followers and a huge community that he's created for a reason. His teachings are these bite-sized, super relatable, entertaining ideas. And I greatly appreciate his love for meditation and his open-mindedness and his perspective on the world. He's so accepting. I really think his perspective is is so refreshing and I know that you're going to appreciate him too. So I'm so excited to bring him on. So anyway, um, Millennial Rabbi is awesome. Follow him on Instagram. That is his name there, Millennial Rabbi, two N's, two L's. And Before we get into my interview with Millennial Rabbi, I want you to know that there are some exciting things happening in my world right now. First of all, I got a dog. I don't know if I've shared this with you yet. I've been posting some pictures of him online. He's so cute. A few months ago in April, right when COVID hit, my kids started taking walks in nature. We live in this beautiful nature area. and One of our neighbors has goats. He, he was raising goats and And baby goats that were born over the beginning of COVID. And they have a dog who kind of helps to herd the goats and guard the goats. And that dog had puppies. So puppies were born. There were nine of them. And one of the dogs, they're these little black Rottweiler collie mixes. And one of the dogs has these white paws. And I'm not sure why, but one of the little Israeli kids in the neighborhood named him John Cena after the wrestler, John Cena. Now, I know nothing about American wrestling or wrestlers, but I kept hearing the name John Cena because they named this puppy John Cena, and they fell in love with it. Of all the dogs, my kids loved this John Cena. So, of course, they were asking me for the dog, incessantly asking, and I finally caved in. So, I am now the mother of four children and a dog. And I was really fighting it. I was really against it. I didn't want the mess. I didn't want the responsibility. But I have to tell you that I'm starting to love this animal. He is so sweet. He just wants to be around us. And he just wants attention. It is the sweetest thing ever. So I will keep posting pictures of him on Facebook and on Instagram. And um, if you have a dog, I'd love to hear from you how your experience is with your dog and and what you love about your dog and also how you keep your dog entertained. I know this dog wants to just like eat all of our shoes. So any tips you have for me, I'd love to hear. And on a second and final note, my applications for the new masterminds are open. I'm so excited. I gotta tell you friends, I have been having these masterminds here for women in Israel for the last year. And watching them grow, watching these women set their goals and achieve their goals is one of my favorite things that I do. And because of that, I decided to open up some new groups this fall. My last 12 week graduates have stayed on for the entire year. And I got just so inspired by that, that I knew I needed to open more. And that's what I'm doing. So right now you can apply and you can learn more about it. It's all explained at drazi.co, that's D-R-A-Z-I dot C-O backslash the mastermind. And it's just, it's just incredible. The 12-week program really is this opportunity to tap into your deepest will. What is it that you want to create in the world? Where are you needed most? And where can you show up in a way that's going to keep you, get you inspired and keep you inspired as you move forward on your purpose-driven journey whether you have a business and it's thriving and you just want to connect with like-minded people and and support one another and take it to the next level or even if you're just starting out I'm I'm opening groups at different levels so that is super exciting and you know it's it's a program it's like a course but truly it's a program and it's a community because everything I do I teach through experience so this is not a program where I lecture and you listen and then you have homework, no. It's a program where we start out by uh, with a guided meditation and I, I explain the meditation to you, the tool, how it works, what it does, whether it's lowering stress or helping you become more creative and it's something you can take with you and, and keep in your pocket and use when you need it. And then we do all kinds of activities to help you form relationships with your deeper self, form relationships with the other people in the group, and we tap into the power of the group, the knowledge, skills, resources, abilities, network of the group in a really organic way where each and every group member can bring to the table whatever they choose to bring and help each other, and I facilitate all of it. So it's in a way that really honors your energy and honors really healthy boundaries and just facilitates your helping one another in a super structured way, and I'm always bringing in whatever I'm learning and whatever I'm doing, and and I have you know guest experts and all kinds of incredible opportunities. I even do in-person events here in Israel; these you know spatially distanced but socially connected events. And at some point, I'd I'd love to start open opening them up globally as more so like retreats. So hopefully soon, this whole era will be behind us. We will be in the new, not the new normal, but the new better. And all of those things will manifest. But until then, I'm just so happy you're here. It means everything to me. And with nothing further, it is my honor and my pleasure to introduce to you the millennial rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Bortz. I'm so excited to be here with the millennial rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Bortz. And he's like a fictional character in my life in so many ways, because every time I open Instagram, I get so excited for a dose of real authentic spirituality. And that is what he shows up and shares with the world in so many different ways with beautiful quotes and images and these really neat videos that he creates about spirituality and holidays. And it's really just this fountain of goodness coming from the rabbi here. And I actually nickname him the Instagrammer Rebbe because a Rebbe (laughs) is a teacher and it's really neat to open up this app. And every time I open it, have words of wisdom and, and inspiration and mindfulness really filling it up. So... It's just an honor and a pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm, you know, with the quarantine, we all Jews around the world like miss Israel and we miss Jerusalem. And, but during the quarantine, it makes it even more powerful because of the fact that we can't actually, it's very difficult to even know that you can go if you want. So it's cool to connect to Israel virtually. And I'm a big fan of your online content as well. It's always insightful. It's always on the ball. It merges what I love the most, which is, taking Torah and divine wisdom and, and, and very practical life advice. And really how do we merge everything that we learn with the experiences we're going through? And it's just very real life, very good insights. So I appreciate your page as well. And it's a pleasure to uh, chat with you on this great subject.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to connect. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how you became so passionate about this fusion of truly not just learning about spirituality, but embodying and living it?
1: I grew up in Southern California, and I um, had a really cool parents in that they, they didn't grow up religious. One's South African, one's French Algerian, met on a blind date in Tel Aviv, Israel. And I was born in South Africa, came to Southern California when I was young. So I kind of like an eclectic mix. When we were growing up and they were getting more involved in Judaism, and we started keeping Shabbat, it was like my dad's motto was to have the best of both worlds. He wanted us to be able to go on cool vacations and sports games and play everything and, and also find the, the beauty in, in Judaism and Torah. So that was kind of the the foundation that I had, even subconsciously, because when I got post bar mitzvah as many teenagers do and moved away from religiosity and went to public school and all that when I later came back to it I think I always had embedded in my family and personality and everything there doesn't have to be any division there's no you don't have to have any box on you whatsoever and there and you don't have to limit yourself in any way and also I think what contributed to that was like many balchuvahs when you are not religious and then you get passionately into it you can go one of two ways either you go so far into it that you don't come back and you look at kind of your past as a kind of like a blip or a negative thing to not really, you know, nothing to be like proud of or anything. It's kind of like a waste of time when you're running after things that were not that important or it, you know, you kind of burn out, you do it too much. And then you, you, you kind of uh, the religiosity is too much and, and you go back to your, I think God got into a third place, which was like, my past is meaningful in its own way. I have these things that I like, music, sports, everything. I love God. I love Judaism. I love Hasidus. I lo- it's teaching me that God is in all things. So how can I bring that out? Why does there have to be this fight? Why not you know, find a way to fuse the two and bring, reveal God in not all places, but almost all places? And... I found that to be a fun challenge and something that I really enjoyed in this third third chapter of my life.
0: Third chapter of your life and the third space where all the things merge.
1: Because that, that's the truth. You know, my yeshiva, when I left college, party college, UC Santa Barbara, right on the beach, great, everything. And I, I was like, you know what?
0: Oh, yeah, my I, brother didn't graduate from that college.
1: <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't either. <laughs> both, both dropouts. Yeah. Uh, I left after one I tell high schoolers that a lot because they get so fixated on what has to come next. I'm like, I I was so I had my whole destiny planned and then things shifted for me. So don't feel like you have to know exactly what's going to happen. Kind of ride your intuition in that way, which we'll get so, into intuition. So
0: you were at Santa Barbara and, and, and your life just took this turn. And it was, I'm so curious, like if there was something, if there was some turn in your life that like open your eyes, did you wake up to something one day? I don't
1: know if I can summarize it all, but I'll say it's a bit of both it was a journey, but it was also like a couple of very powerful moments. So most people have their midlife crisis, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. I had mine at like high school, which sounds, everybody has a crisis in high school, but mine, I was very intense, I guess. And I kind of, I had the existential, like, what is my life about earlier maybe than many do. And it was it was an intense time for me in in high school. And through those ups and downs, God, for whatever reason, gave me moments of what Kabbalah would call Isarusa De La Ela, which is like an arousal from above, like an inspiration out of nowhere that from then on, I felt this strong desire to connect to more, to transcend, to find what was out there. I, I followed that calling. And even though I had kind of, you know, it wasn't immediately to Israel, I went to Santa Barbara and I had these things I wanted to do. That year in UC Santa Barbara, in the beautiful nature I had explored my Judaism, A lot of moments along the way really catapulted me to like, just, and, and, and also one more thing is that I always like, if I thought something was true that I would follow that to all the way. So whatever that was. Um, and when I found this, it was the same way. I'm like, I'm going to pursue this and find out what this is. And that's what led me to yeshiva.
0: So you are seeking truth and, and living without it was just that difficult from a very young age.
1: I don't know if I was searching for truth or when, you know, when I was a younger, like a, like a teenager, I think I was searching for love and acceptance and all that. I think I I changed. I really changed like 16, 17, 18. I started to uh, not care as much about the people around me accepting me, but more about me following a higher calling and a greater, I, I went from being extremely extroverted and having to go to every party or everything to becoming much more about my own personal growth and about not wanting to squander my potential and things like that. That became more important to me than the other things at that time. So.
0: Interesting. Looking back, do you remember a moment where you knew wholeheartedly that God was intervening in your, in your life?
1: I'll go to the very first moment. When I was, I'd, I got in a lot of trouble freshman year of high school and in this uh, second year of high school, every Shabbat, I would dutifully go with my dad to, to local synagogue to pray Friday nights. And I don't think I felt anything special. Uh, you do it. You do it as a family thing. It's nice. I had switched to, uh, to another school and I was starting to get my life in the right direction. And maybe that helped. But the point is when I was standing with my dad that Friday night, I had an experience. I, I felt something really strong pulling me. I remember when I came home excitedly, I like told my mom about it. She's a very spiritual lady. And she said, yeah, that was God. You know, I distinctly remember that a connection to God. And, and ever since then, and, and I've learned a lot of the mystical teachings like Ibor HaNeshama, the idea that another Neshama can come and connect with you another soul can come and elevate you because you need it. It wow. could be that God just did it as a kind thing. But ever since then, I've been on fire. for for connecting and and it's obviously taken different directions along the way so beautiful
0: so here you are now several years later and you are really getting into those places and those spaces where the teens are going through those types of teenage issues struggling for acceptance and meaning and purpose and all these things and you really are providing it to them in in so many different ways i've seen you teaching meditation at the high school that i attended and uh, it's just uh, i can Can you imagine. remind me which,
1: which which school that was
0: lacosta canyon go mavericks
1: of all the schools i go to and san diego is already pretty like this is not brooklyn or jerusalem Lacosta, like we created it almost like a novelty like it would be cool to make one in a place where there's not many jewish students and like there's just a few jewish kids so like that's cool that's a crazy
0: the de- it's like the thing.
1: desert they had, unfortunately, the students told me they had some anti-Semitic graffiti at their school last year, and it's, it's not the most. Yeah, it's not the I most. Grew, Jewish oh,
0: absolutely! <laughs> I grew up with anti-Semitism. I used to hear they'd call me like a Hebrew, and I I smacked someone in eighth grade. I don't know if I'm sharing this on my show, but I, I smacked Ooh. someone in eighth grade. Didn't get in trouble because he was he was like hurling anti-Semitic remarks at me. So
1: that that it, that, that, know, that not a peaceful
0: climate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's, uh, standing up for your people. I also never got angry, except unless people attacked my family or Judaism. I always had this thing with with Jewish stuff that I was like very. It would get me right,
0: right, exactly. So you're in going into these schools. You're teaching meditation. Tell us
1: everything. Totally. In 2011, when I became a rabbi and I came, I wanted to come back to my city, San Diego. The Lubavitcher Rebbe talked about the need to fix where you are. So I, I wanted to go to my hometown, and I. I started working with teenagers at first. I created a nonprofit organization, JTeen, and I did it because that was my most lost time. So I felt like mm-hmm. I should come back around and help that age. And that age, when you, when I started it, when I was twenty, you know, twenty-three or twenty-four, it was when you're that age. You don't connect to your parents or teachers or adults because they're too out of touch. And your own friend group, you're not going to open up, especially guys. But you're not going to open up and say mm-hmm. what you're going through. I didn't when I was in high school, I would never tell anybody what I was going through. So I feel like my role is and was to be that bridge that's old enough that is like respectable enough that, okay, I'll kind of listen to what you have to say. And young enough that it's like relatable and cool. And I could actually tell you that I'm doing X, Y, and Z that I would never tell any you know other people
0: and mm-hmm. just
1: someone that can accept them and listen to them as adults, like listen to them as if their opinion is something that matters in the world. And it's not because it's a really in between stage teenage years, you're not a kid anymore. So you don't get like all the lovely benefits of of that. And you're not an adult yet to be really taken seriously. So you're kind of in this like, middle zone.
0: Oh, yeah, I know exactly because I have a daughter who's turning 16 next month. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you and really know, exactly, the there is
0: there is really a piece of these teens that's so serious. And for you to come in to that environment and take them seriously is what a gift. What a gift.
1: We we talk like I would talk to someone my age. We talk like adults. So you're mentioning meditation. I started getting into a few years ago. How can I bring ex- what I call experiential Judaism to the fold? Which is uh, a long topic in and of itself. But I created an organization for adults called Soul X Soul Experience, and I really I wanted people to be able to feel like what I felt that time when I was 16. Like how do I help people access? a truly meaningful, a spiritual connection to their soul and, and to something higher. And I was like, this could apply to teenagers too. Like I, I, for fun, I brought some of my instruments. I have these like meditative instruments, like, like crystal sound bowls and things like well, that, you have that. Crystal bowls.
0: Getting- wow. So you bring your crystal bowls in?
1: LCC, I have a beautiful video I can send you or go to, I go to La Costa Canyon and I bring my, my two sound and I sit with them. And by the way, I would say at, at least 50% of our attendees to our Jewish club are not Jewish. They're just coming to learn. And, I'll, and I realized by the way that um, getting teenagers like the old days to come to Sunday school is probably not going to happen. So you have to meet them where they're at in outreach and meeting someone where they're at can mean their phones, making vi- inspirational videos. Like, you know, we try to do inspirational content because that's where their intent, I think they have a statistic that like not up to nine hours a day, some youth spend on their phones. Sounds crazy, that's but that's pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> you're like, that's, that's under the, the amount. I
0: <laughs> that's, that's a decent amount of time. Yeah. So you're making this content, and, you're meeting them where they are. You're and, bringing and
1: no- meeting them where they're at can mean on the phone, but it can also mean physically because they're not going to come to the synagogue on, on Shabbat anymore. So I go to the schools. That's a big thing of what I do is like, free. here's free donuts, just walk over 10 feet to this classroom. So, you know, do that, they come. And when I make the meditation for them, I really flow with like, what, it, what, what would I have wanted to hear at that age? And I say, I talk about stuff like how everyone, everyone closes their eyes, everyone breathes, everyone hears sound. And I talk about, in this state, all the kids you're seeing at school that seem so put together and so cool and you want to be like them, trust me, they don't have it put together. They're going through the same things that you're going through, if not worse. And understand that there's a you that's that's valuable and that's perfect beyond the grades you're going to get. And whether that person says yes, if you ask them out, all the things that we think are the make or break in our life. Let's like take right now, value who you are. That's in the long run, all this stuff is short term. You're not going to remember these things five years from now, 10 years from now, what grade you got on this test. So, and at the very least, they really calm down for a moment because they're always on. I I, I
0: want you to know that that track, what you just said, I sat and listened as though I was sitting in, in high school listening. And that would have been exactly what would have helped me through such a hard time. Wow. It's, it's, it's like therapy for my, my younger self, for all of our younger selves, because that is the time where you look around, and I think many of adults can fall victim to this too, looking around thinking, oh, they're succeeding. They're, they're doing a great job over there. I'm missing the boat. And it's so easy to feel that way.
1: That mom's got it all put together. Look at her kids dress so well. They're not screaming. You don't see what's going on at home, you know?
0: Exactly. I, I, was,
1: at, I, I was at Torrey Pines uh, High School, which is not far from La Costa Canyon. I was talking to the, to the uh, lady at the desk and we were talking about social media and she said her and her husband saw one of her friends on Instagram or Facebook on a vacation on the beach with her, fam- with her, with her husband and she's like, she told her husband like, that looks amazing. Like she's living the best life. And he's like, you don't know what's go- really going on in her life. And like two weeks later, she got divorced. So like she was saying she learned from that. Social media is not. You're
0: right. We, we never know. And, and it's so powerful that you're coming in to the high schools for these teens who are in the thick of that time of their lives. I would imagine you're seeing transformation happen for these young people as they're learning with you.
1: I would say that age group is very much, I, I liken it to planting a seed and watering it that you, you hope what you're putting in will reap benefits over time when they're older. But in the moment, and in the moment, but you won't see it in the moment. they very stoic. They're not going to tell you, you changed my life. Like an adult might tell they you. They might
0: not have the words.
1: You can tell, though, in the moment that it affected them. And I'll get nice messages for sure that like, like that was amazing, you know, stuff like do you that.
0: See that. Do you see that this is powerful when they hear your message, Oh, when yeah. they internalize it?
1: I'm very impressed by the teenagers I work with. Like there's... There's a, there's a maturity that I, I, I wouldn't say like if I do something like that, where I go to the school and everything, it's me noticing in them when I'm doing it. It's not like afterward, they run off after and they go about their life. I know that every interaction changes people no matter what, especially an in-depth, unique experience like that, that they've never done. And especially during a meditation or a class, like for example, I taught an, an evening Torah class, like a Jewish ethics class for years and kids are rowdy at night like they've already gone school they've got all that's but in every class there would be at least one moment where they were fully engaged and listening and like you knew an idea hit them mm. and i would so try to powerful. savor those moments i would try to savor those moments for the for to make up for all the other like you be quiet you listen put your phone away you know all that stuff like but value you those moments
0: feel you know it's getting in i I have so many questions for you and I'm curious to move in a little bit into the idea of insight and this idea of insight is so beautiful and it's a word that's always struck me so powerfully. It feels to me like there's this dimension that we can't quite wrap our physical, emotional selves around, something that's beyond words really, and yet that we have access to. This indescribable connection, this moment that the words are getting through or the moment you had when you were in synagogue, these moments that are so yeah. clear that there's more going on behind the scenes, beneath the surface. And <laughs> this idea is in Torah, really, that, that we have insight and and that women have an extra measure of insights.
1: Awesome topic. And as someone who studies Hasidus, Kabbalah, the tense we wrote in depth, and we get into the the, the the mental faculties of chachma and bina and dat, which is translated as wisdom, understanding, knowledge. But that does not do justice to it at all. Let's get into chachma and bina because the, the Gemara says bina yisera nitna that that extra measure of bina was given to women. And even though that's the word insight might go with chachma better, I think we could apply it to bina more. And, and and understand it that way. So if you imagine a light bulb over a ca- cartoon character's head in a cartoon where he gets that new idea or like a lightning bolt that flashes in the darkness and then it goes away. That is what Chokhmah is. That is the insight in the way that comes from a higher place. And actually, I wonder what science says about that. I'm sure they say that there's like synapses in your brain and somehow you come up, but like I was reading how Albert Einstein came up with equals mc squared in a dream obviously it was a theory that he figured out through his, his studies but it was the vision of the situation that led him to come to his insight was something he had in a dream and the idea is that we some of our deepest realizations are not something that we can get to through just bina alone which bina is the idea of bonnet which is to build into detail so if you see a lightning flash in the middle of the night and it goes away Chachma, Bina would be like recreating what you saw and trying to figure out like, what was it that I realized? What was that idea that I had? And you build out the blueprint. And this truism, wow. because it's a divine truism, you'll find it everywhere. The 10th Road is something you'll find in all, in yourself, in the world, because we are a miniature world. This idea of, of a spark of insight that is then built into a full idea is found in nature. So like a seed that's planted in the ground right? That seed contains in it the whole future tree that's going to come, but on its own, it's nothing really. It's a potential for something, but it takes the, the ground to build that seed into the tree. And it's not by chance we call it mother earth, right? Because that is the feminine role. The feminine energy in the world is to take that potential reality and build it into a reality in all its details and all its parts and all width, breadth and depth. Uh, and that's what the mind does, Bina does. It takes a seminal idea and builds it into a full idea. And of course, leading up human beings are that way. There's the p- masculine potential for a child, but it's the feminine that builds that child in the womb, builds it into a full expansive human being. And that would be the, the third part which connects mind and heart, which connects intellect and emotions, would be almost like the the fruit that comes from the tree, or the child being born, or it's the ability to take an idea that you've learned and to bridge it into feeling it, which is what I basically dedicate my life to. Is that is the third part? How do I embody it, and how do I how do I make it something that I relate to? So it's not just an abstract, interesting thing, but it's like something that's part of my life. Exactly, and that's what leads to emotion and action. Without that, it's just it's just an idea. And that's a lot what Bal Shem Tov and the mystics talk about is how to get to that place of, because it says Adam knew Eve. Dot is the word used for like an intimate connection with something. So it's one thing to have a nice idea in your head. God is one. And then you learn the mysticism behind it, how it really means that just like God spoke the world into reality, really he's speaking it right now. And really that means that it never actually left. So it's like the there's a whole, you can build a whole beautiful idea in your head. But dot would be taking time to maybe listen to a song or close your eyes and think of the idea in a way that you can kind of connect to it so that it relates to your life. So I'll just give one simple analogy that like my rabbi taught me years ago. He said, like, imagine you're looking at a news ticker on the TV and you see that there's been a tragedy somewhere, like a, like a tsunami in Indonesia. And it says 50,000 people displaced and, and, and dead. You probably won't burst into tears. You'll think it's the awful, this is horrific, but it won't touch you emotionally. That's Chachma. That's the general news ticker idea of something. Bina would be turning the channel and seeing all the details of that catastrophe. And you're seeing people running and looking for their children. Like it's really like intense, but it's possible that you still might not feel emotion because it's too detached from you. It's the other side of the world. But what would happen if you try to imagine what it would be like if that was your child there. Or what if for real, you realize that your nephew's your 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 brother sends you a text, your nephew's backpacking in that region. When it becomes you and part of your reality, that's what can lead from the mind to the emotion. That's the dot part. Uh,
0: It's so relevant because... Here we are in, in, in a digital world. Scrolling through images could be the catastrophe, could be the most incredible human moment of human connection, or or, or peace that's springing forth, and we're we're witnessing it. We're just kind of scrolling and not necessarily mm-hmm. feeling or connecting. You're saying that there are things that you do in your programs and and in your life to help people connect to whatever it is out there that they're working on embodying and living and internalizing.
1: Yeah. And to take these beautiful ideas that that Torah teaches and that we, you know, how divine you are at your core and, and everything and really feel it and not just know it, which is not getting the full benefits of, of that knowledge. So I, I know it works for me and I know everyone's different, but like like music helps me there's certain things that help me move from that state of just Bina, which is details details and and understanding and and really like and also going to a place of of the dot of really which is kind of beyond it's be it's it's allowing you to go past the mind the mind's great the mind's very nice the analytical mind has its uses for sure but it can also block you from a higher consciousness and for me, music and meditation are ways to help myself and others go past that racing mind and those thoughts and just really kind of from a soul level, maybe you could say a Keter level, which is beyond Bina, to really connect to that that truth almost naturally, easily. You don't need that, that fight as much. And you just, it, it kind of, this is an idea I've been getting into. I think you, we might connect with is, I was talking to a friend late last night about this that the, the greatest truths are not something you necessarily have to go far to find or are so difficult to get to. It's all here. It's just we have so much static built up that we can't connect to it. We can't hear that, that message. Like they say there's a voice, a batakul coming every day. God's speaking to us every day, telling us to do to teshuva, to connect back, and we just don't hear it. But it's hap, there's, everything's here. Like if you put your radio in the right frequency, I believe
0: that radio, 100%. Absolutely. It makes so much sense to me. And it makes so much sense on a spiritual level and also on a brain science level in that thoughts are energy. And when we are attending to our thoughts, there isn't room to notice anything else. Mm -hmm. The thoughts can become a veil in front of our eyes even. They see a child the way a child sees a flower for the first time. They are that flower. And then we, the child yeah. grows, the child grows and, and the thoughts and the fears and insecurities and the, the 70,000 thoughts a day. And you can't always see the beauty of the flower because you just can't see it. There's too many memories. There's too many, too much virtual reality clouding the vision, right? Past and future. So. And they
1: can be fully taken by the experience because like, I always wonder why we need to sleep so much. Like why did God make sleep such a part of our reality? We know one of the major benefits of it philosophically is a new slate every day. Like no matter how bad yesterday was, today's a fresh day. And we believe that God gives your soul back to you every day. It's You are a new person every day. And to approach your day that way, that this is fresh, this is new, that flower that I'm looking at didn't have to be there. What is this thing that's in front of me. Looking at things fresh and anew is a great trait to try to develop in yourself. It adds a lot, of, a lot of beauty to the world for sure.
0: So how does one go about, where would you start with that?
1: Looking things fresh. I think it's being proactive. Like you can't just wake up out of, be- I really believe that when we wake up out of bed, everyone's different. I think we're like heretics. Like we are all those great things we've worked on and like, we feel like we embody, you can still wake up grumpy and depressed. Like it's not, I have a friend of mine in LA and he told, we were having this conversation. And he said he said that one day he was sitting out on his Porsche in the sun in Southern California with a friend, life was good, he had a job, everything was fine on the outside. And he said he felt kind of down and it hit him for the first time that that is the base state. And I believe this, there are some people like my mother, for example, that are able to keep this like bubbly optimism all the time. but for many of us, if we're not proactive to like, to direct our state, we will be kind of on a, like an iffy trajectory, kind of just like down. So we need to be proactive to like have an intention. And maybe that's why we pray three times a day or, or even once a day. And and we try to meditate, we try to learn Torah, we try to like remind ourselves throughout the day of what's what truth is and inspire ourselves do things that inspire you because, you know, you we need that kind of you're not going to just Proact, um, naturally always be in this like high frequency.
0: I so. hear that. I hear that. So in terms of what inspires you, how do you stay inspired and how do you then share that? I think this is a perfect segue into social media because you really are sharing all kinds of stories and history and beautiful Kabbalistic insights and, and, and your travels. So I'm curious to hear about all of that. And, and how you started sharing and, and how, how you got to in, stay inspired?
1: Lovely question. I, I would say one major foundational thing in my life that helps with all of that is kind of what we touched on earlier, which is the learnings that I've done and the realizations I've come to that ev- everything has a bit of divine, a divine spark in it. And what I mean by that is before I got spiritually connected to Judaism, a lot of people say religion makes you more closed off to the science, to the world. For me, it was the opposite. In school, I was like, okay, what's going to make me like, how can I be involved in politics or how can I be involved in you know, economics or how can I be involved in, but I wasn't interested in, like, you know, if you told me about, learn about the, the minerals or learn about space. I'd be like, that's not relevant to my daily life. I don't need that. Once I, connected more spiritually and realized that this is God's world, that this is everything has the divine fingerprint on it, then all of a sudden everything interests me. Everything. Like there's nothing really in the world that I find to be a boring subject. Like right now I'm getting really into astrophysics and I'm learning about, for example, just one trippy idea that I'm like playing with now is that if according to Torah, God spoke reality, not with a mouth, but the the what we know of human speech on a deeper level somehow, is how God created reality. And what is speech at the core of a human being? Speech is a vibration that goes in your throat and develops sound, it's a vibrational wave. What I find interesting learning about in in cosmology and astrophysics is the most trendy theory right now over the last 20 years, 30 years of how the universe came into being is string theory. And it's the idea that it's waves. It is a vibrational wave is what formed it formed reality as we know it. Beneath the atoms, beneath everything is a vibrational wave. So it makes sense that it, it's speech. And again, this is speech on a universal level. When we say God spoke, that's a spiritual level, which is the underpinnings of all of reality. So that will reflect itself in the way the universe acts and in the way human beings act, all the way down to a actual human making sound like this. So... All of that to say that that when I travel, when I see God's nature, when I learn something, when I hear a song in a lyric or a movie, I'm finding the divine providence in that thing. What am I to learn from this and connect to God and, and elevate through this experience? It's not for naught. There is something to be some fallen spark from the original, uh, a godly expression that can be elevated. And that's what gives me inspiration to, on Instagram, for example, to share all those crazy thoughts. And I can have an insight and say, you know what, I'm just going to share that idea when it comes to me. And it comes to me, you know, I think a lot of things come to us throughout the day, but we don't really want to share it. We might be embarrassed. I I think I've reached a place where it should be just be authentically you, which took me a while to get to that, to that place.
0: That's so interesting. Um, But that's what people want. That's really interesting.
1: And your vulnerability, and your passions, and your your what you connect with is what will resonate across. That's what people people want. That they don't want this manufactured version of ourselves. You know, so, and even if they don't so, always want it, give it.
0: <laughs> even if so, it was a journey for you in becoming more open, more honest, sharing your spiritual insights.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I. Came okay, so what really happened was I wrote a book. a shameless plug. Please. And you mentioned the words beneath the surface earlier. Yes. So I got a, an idea of yes. the sunglasses. This, this is in Sunset. You, will, you might know where this is. This is in Encinitas, sunset, not sunset, a seaside oh, reef, which is-
0: Seaside? Is that seaside? It's
1: right by- it's By Swami. little beach right right by Swami's. Right by Swami's. The, the gold dome there of the self-realization garden. That's my favorite uh, place.
0: That was my hangout in high school.
1: Wow. <laughs> you were cool. That's an awesome place. That's a very special place.
0: Yeah, that is so special. So this is a beautiful book. Tell us, tell us more.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so the reason I brought up the book was because when I was coming out with the book, it was a collection of writings over Yeshiva, many, many years. And I I was I, when I was in Jerusalem, I used to go every summer. I to learn a little bit. I would go to the coffee bean on Yafo Street. And I don't know if you know which one, but it's like a big one. And I would still there, (laughs) still there. I would sit all day and put together this book. And when I, when I print, when I published it, I was like, people aren't, you know, you're not Oprah Winfrey. People are not just going to like buy your book. You know, you have to, you have to like get your social media going. You got to create something. So I, so I, I remember going to a friend of mine. And he was, we were in high school together, but let's just say we took different paths. Like he started a, like a protein company about like for weightlifters and like his whole, you know, it's very much into like physical strength and physical beauty. We had a sit down and he heard like my goals and I'm like, yeah, I want to create a, you know, like maybe a social media, Instagram account. And he's like, and I was, I think I was coming across this idea of like, look, I'm not a major rabbi. I'm not one of these top, you know, I'm young. Who am I to get like,
0: I'm not Oprah Winfrey. Definitely
1: not Oprah Winfrey. Okay. So like, who am I to, to like make myself an authority or a, like a, what what we, what we say an influencer. And he said, you're looking at this all wrong. He said, how many people are you depriving of your unique path of them connecting to something higher by you being humble, AKA scared?
0: Yes. I just had this conversation with someone tonight who has the most amazing product and he's not ready for social media. And I said, brother, I don't care if you're ready because there are a million people out there who need this thing. You can help them. You can heal them. And that was the message that got through to you. And, and when, did you just start doing it? Was that it?
1: And, and, and I just have to segue because um, uh, a friend of mine, Jesse, that I, I learned meditation with, he, he, he spoke at the Oprah Winfrey tour in front of 17,000 people. So I said, nice. Jesse, how do, you not get, how do you not get nervous speaking in front of 17,000 people? Like I, I get nervous speaking in front of you know, very few. And one of, one of the things he said that, that you just touched on, he's like, I, I learned to focus more on the people that I'm serving mm-hmm. than on how I'm coming across. Reason we get nervous is we're like, you know how am I going to appear to people? Am I going to look smart? Am I going to answer everything perfectly? How am I going to look? And he said he switched that to service. In that, you know, what can I give over authentically that will benefit the people in this room? Mm. And those that are meant to take away from the message will, and those that won't won't. And I'm just going to give with my, you know, focused on them. So you mentioned Oprah, and you so mentioned beautiful. your friend not getting pulled back. Yes, from his. It's, and, and that's
0: that's such such amazing advice for for anyone because I think it, everyone has. A voice. Everyone has something to share something that needs to be heard. And so you took these words you took this And you you went forward and it turned out it it got much
1: more popular than the book Like the whole goal was to boost boost (laughs) the book and in the end the book has been a nice thing But it's the videos Uh, and another thing that helped one of my students Julia She asked me once to voice over a, a high school video project about light. It was one minute about light It was actually pretty cool. I should find that video and I gave a story about light in the in the Gemara or something. And then I wanted to make some short videos based on the chapters in the book. So I turns out she was incredible. And she like helped make these beautiful videos. We made a ton of videos together on, and she has this amazing like backyard and house. So nobody knows this, but like, I probably have 30, 40 videos. They're all in her property, <laughs> but different, different places in the property. That's so cool. so the story wow. and beautiful garden. So like, we'd like frame it based on, What we were talking about, and she added animations, and I I helped like direct what I wanted to see happen, little things like that. But she did an incredible job, and those videos really took off because they're bite-sized and they're quick. And I found a big problem in Jewish outreach or teaching. Generally, the material was not that deep, and generally, it was given over in an out-of-touch style. Like, like what what language is this? I wanted to do the two extremes together in everything I do. How do I take something super deep and powerful and like Really real, but deliver it in the most accessible relatable way, so the video was perfect one minute quick, but like a concept probably that I heard at like a four hour for in from one of my rabbis and for bringing in for those who don't know is like a gathering of Hasidic people and there's there's vodka and there's singing and there's like deep insights being shared by this older sage so it doesn't have to be an older stage it just be you and your buddies and you should do that and and elevate each other and I would, my talent, I guess, was not in understand, my talent was to take everything because I'm ADD and I'm t- 21st century millennial, take take big ideas and just condense it into the kernel of truth that the person's trying to get across and give a story or analogy to give that over and make it relatable. So that was kind of the bedrock of my Instagram and my Facebook worlds
0: wow and so and you're doing it so everyone who's listening you have to follow millennial rabbi on instagram it's just you'll be so happy you'll thank me after you do because you you're doing it every day the quotes and and all of it i could go on and on share us share with us like your favorite idea something that that you just love to share you love to think about you love to focus on
1: yeah so because of the subject matter, we wanted to talk about insight and the power of the feminine. I think something I'd, I'd want to share is, you know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, we are the generation of the redemption. Like we're going to see Mashiach in our times. And by the way, it connects to what we said earlier that, that he said the redemption's already here. We just have to open our eyes, which could mean like the reality is something we have to tune into. Uh, it's not something we have to like find somewhere far away. But, the, but what's interesting to me is that the Arizal, the mystic from Tzvat from, from in the 1500s, he said that, our, that the generation of the Jews that left Egypt, that we keep reading about in the Torah, they rebelled and how could they do this, is the generation that will be reincarnated into the generation that greets Mashiach. So if you add one plus one, it's very possible that we are reincarnations of that generation that left egypt which should make us reading the torah much more relatable as jordan peterson says he teaches history as if as if you were the perpetrator a lot of people like to read history mm. as if they would they would have done they would have done everything so different you know there's a story of uh, i think one of the one of the t- sages in the gemara he was said tomorrow we're going to learn about our buddy, the King. And he was talking about one of the Kings of Israel who, who brought people into idolatry, which was you know terrible. So he was speaking dismissively of the King. And that night he had a dream where the King came to him, maybe King Manasseh. He came to him in a dream and he said, if you lived in my time, you would have picked up your robes to run faster after idolatry. You would have been so judging about the past. But what I wanted to get to was that the, if we are that reincarnation, it says that Nushim the reason we were redeemed from Egypt, the reason why we had that redemption was in merit of the women, the righteous women. There's many examples. The women weren't the ones who worshiped the golden calf. The women were the ones who encouraged their husbands to keep having children. The women were the ones who brought their tambourines and instruments to play at the splitting of the sea because they trusted that miracles were going to happen. And that means in our generation, it's a great way to look at no matter what side of the political spectrum someone's on to look at kind of this women's liberation time, to look at the me too movement, to look at all of these things as some spark, some catalyst of this change that's going on, right? We, we, we read every Friday night, that the woman of valor will be the crown of her husband. What's a crown? A crown is above. It goes beyond the husband, beyond the head of the King because throughout history, malchus, the, the feminine uh, divine trait. And we see that obviously reflected in humanity, that women were always kind of stepped on and considered lower throughout history and opinion, not really to listen to so much and um, not taken seriously or voting. It's spiritually too, this element is, is in the messianic time going to flip. And by the way, this applies to the Jewish people, which are called God's bride or the, you know, the the feminine side to God, which is, mm. you know, we call God a he, even though God's not a he, but there is a little bit of truth in that the way we interact with God is a more masculine energy and we're a more feminine energy. So at least there's that. I don't like using he or she for God, but the Jewish people who have been trotted on and destroyed over history will also reach our fullness in the messianic time. we will be revealed what our potential really was. So all these things are starting to come to fruition now with, with Israel, with, with the feminine. So I think it's just seizing on this uh, time to really accentuate that. I, like, I don't even think it's just women, it's the feminine energy. So like you're noticing men are now talking about mental health, more vulnerability, more like NBA yes. players last yeah. year. It's we're so talking about how they have.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's people are showing up in their humanity in such beautiful ways.
1: It's yeah, really happening, yeah. right? Uh, it, it is. I, th- I mean, look, there's a lot of negativity, but we have to notice the good stuff that's going on too and, and tap into that for sure. It's such a powerful um,
0: idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you notice in the Sfirot, in the sphero the, the that that Chachma, the masculine one, the one of the new idea is not as close to the emotions. It's Bina that takes that idea and then builds it and gives birth to the emotions after so I think that that bina yetera, that extra bina that we started this talk with, that that insight extra that's given to the to the woman is the idea of that ability of that ability to take take an idea and find out how it can, you know, it can resonate with your emotions, how you bridge that into like it's the woman who's able to see a child or see a situation going on and kind of intuit. That there's something more, where, where the, mass, the men have a little more trouble noticing in that person that there's something under the surface going on. And we need to develop that ability to, to see past what's being shown to us in other people and kind of, you know, go, go, go past the surface layer and really bridge the mind and, and the heart and feel that.
0: Mm, it's beautiful. It's really connecting on that deeper, more emotional human level.
1: Yeah yeah that emotional intelligence that 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 uh, I'm trying to think of, of the best word, but empathy um, sounds
0: like this real feeling it's like an feelings. emotional
1: emotional intuition kind of thing, yeah mm-hmm. like and, and, and you know, if I teach a mystical class, you know the men kind of their eyes glaze over a little bit, but the, but the women are like they're in, they like hear it, you know they're like, okay, I can <laughs> it That's, resonates a bit more.
0: It's fascinating you were sharing with me that most of your students are women.
1: Yes, in my life coaching business and my course that I offer, it is more women than men. I think men can gain a lot from it and there's, you know, but those that understand the need to to nurture our emotional state is generally women are more in touch with that. Men are kind of like, okay, what's my ROI? Like is this going to lead to something practical outside of me, you know?
0: Oh, I hear that. I definitely hear that. So tell us before we wrap up a, a little bit about these programs that you're offering and, and how people can connect with you.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Like you said, millennial rabbi on Instagram, two L's and two N's hard to spell. I'm always misspelling uh, on...
0: that word, two L's and two N's.
1: You know, it's funny. There's somebody who had like rabbi on Instagram, just rabbi. And I'm like, that would be a lot to take on. I don't know if I want to be just rabbi. So millennial rabbi for now and, um, uh, millennial or rabbi or, or Rabbiboards.com. I, It goes to the same place and people can reach out to me. I have, um, you know, I offer stuff online. I also have, um, what I call the soul living course yeah, that is, I offer as well. Is course? It's, it's really always, we have a group that meets every week, but the material is something that is already prepared. So someone could join at any time. And I'm also working to put together now a, like a, a Kabbalah class, like a four-part series that really goes into the intro and understanding the mystical world. So I expect you to join and that'll be uh, coming up soon.
0: Awesome. That's really, really exciting. So the Soul Living course, is is there, is there a set topic or like who's the ideal sort of participant for that?
1: Yeah, it's it really goes into everything I believe that can help you level up in life. Really. It, it goes through understanding our purpose and, and what we're here for. What are like tools we can implement in our lives to uh, really have the, 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 when, I, when, when you asked me that question earlier about how do we make sure we're inspired or how do we like not feel, feel down? These are the ways to be proactive. The, the mindset to have and the, I have assignments and things to do in the, in the action list. I have guided meditations for, for every lesson that we do to really what we said before, take the idea you just learned and bring it into your life and really connect with it on a dot level. So I'm really trying to take it from the most abstract down through your, to your heart. So you feel it. And then what can I do practically to implement this into my life? Uh, And we do one-on-one coaching calls as well as part of the program. So everyone comes for a different reason. And I try to tailor make it for each person that's, that's joining
0: that sounds amazing
1: we need to collaborate on something yeah. that i think yeah let's, on the ball.
0: Let's, let's all right friends so millennial rabbi and i started talking about how we can collaborate and it turned into like a whole conversation and i'll keep you updated on that as well but how awesome is he he's just such a light and i feel so honored and so grateful that i had the opportunity to speak with him and and share this conversation with you so thank you all for being here. I would love to hear from you and there are really a number of ways that you can reach me. If you're an emailer, you can email me. Tell me about your dog. Tell me about your insights. Talk to me about what you're going through right now and what kind of insights that you've had recently, what you're learning, or even what you'd like to have. You can email me anytime. I'm ozzy at drazi.co. That's A-Z-I at D-R-A-Z-I.co. And you can also find me on Instagram, I'm Grow Your Insight, that's one word, and I'm also on Facebook, Grow Your Insight with Dr. Ozzy E-D-D. So in any case, I also want to give you all the details for how you can reach Daniel Boards, Rabbi Daniel Boards, Millennial Rabbi, so that is M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, Rabbi, R-A-B-B-I.com, and also same word, Millennial Rabbi on Instagram. Follow him. Seriously, his posts are so awesome. And that's it for today. That's it. This has been so great. And stay tuned, stay connected. Check out the program. If you're thinking about setting a goal and really crushing that goal and you need some inspiration, you need some support, you can't go wrong with this program. It is. There's so much value. It is so unbelievably full of value. I'm only charging $149 a month for three months. It is really such a deal and every single one of my participants who is at the stage where they have a business or they're getting a business up and running has made their money back and then some because they're utilizing the resources of the program. So it's an unbelievable deal. I don't actually know when I'll be able to do this again. So Take advantage of it now, if you can. Apply at my website, drazzy.co backslash the mastermind. And if you hop over to my website and you join my email list, you make sure you enter your email on the main page or at backslash the mastermind. you're going to get invited to some free online events that are coming up. So I'm not going to talk too much about that now because we are already at an hour and your time means everything to me. But hop over there, stay tuned. And I look forward to seeing you next week, wherever you are in the world. I hope that you are meeting yourself with so much kindness and with insight until next time.